today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. I think every one of us know that if our focus is on gaining stuff, guess what? We never have enough stuff, do we? If that's our focus, we'll never be satisfied. And that was the deal, not only with the Pharisees, but for all of the rich. They were just grabbing for more and grabbing for more. And that's the focus of what Jesus is speaking here. They never considered eternity very much at all. Their focus was just on the here and now. Make a name for myself. I want to make a position for myself. I want I want to be adored by the masses. I want to gain as much of the worldly goods as I possibly can. Where is our focus today? Are we chasing after the things of this world or after the things that are eternal? Jesus tells a parable about a man who was rich according to the world's standards, but poor according to God's purpose. On earth, we are tempted to live for a temporary status and comfort. Some people even refuse to follow the Lord unless he takes care of their temporary issues. Pastor David will bring out the attitudes of our hearts. Where is your heart today? Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Tale of Two Hearts. a heart issue, whether a heart is toward the things of God or whether a heart is toward the things of this world. And that's where we're looking at this morning. First of all, some would say that this is possibly not really a parable, but actually a true story that Jesus knew simply because who he was. Again, simply because he he names one of the individuals. Elsewhere in his parables, he would say, you know, a certain rich man or or a steward or a farmer or a certain man having two sons. He uses all of these things in parables. But here he, he gives Lazarus a name. And although Lazarus, he's, he's shunned and he's ignored by the general public and even by this rich man who's, whose gate he sits at every day, now Lazarus is here identified by the Lord and his name is now, you gotta figure this, Though unknown during his time, now his name is declared for all eternity. How cool is that? I look at different stories and different events within the Word of God, and sometimes it's just a mention of a name. Sometimes it's a mention of a name and a small good thing that they did, and you think, wow, because that person did the right thing at the right time. Their name is listed in the Word of God now for all of eternity. And then we have other names like Alexander the coppersmith. Anybody ever hear of Alexander the coppersmith? He was the bad guy, okay? And Paul said, man, this guy has been nothing but trouble for me, man. Keep away from Alexander the coppersmith. Well, you know what? His name is there now for all eternity too. So do we want our name for good or for bad? Let's let's stick for the good part. Lazarus. His name has a meaning. The the name is actually a version of the name Eleazar, and it simply means one whom God helps. 
You and I, during the day, as we walked along the streets there of the city, and we would look toward this rich man's house and the gates entering into his house, we would see this Lazarus sitting there. None of us would think that's the guy that God's helping because of his temporary earthly position. We'd look at the rich man and say, wow, that guy, God is blessing so abundantly. God, I mean, he must really have it right with God because of all the good things that are going on in his life. But every bit of that was temporary, just as we see in the story here. During his lifetime, the rich man, he, he basked in all this worldly pleasure, all, all of this abundance that he had. It was so opposite of the lives of the majority of the followers of Jesus during that time. And it was certainly opposite of Jesus himself. Jesus had no place to lay his head. There was very little that he held on to in a worldly or earthly sense. However, this was the very lifestyle that these Pharisees longed for. They longed to be this rich man that, again, just had all of these things and just great pleasure, great worldly wealth. They, they believed that if they got to that level of affluence, if they received that type of a comfort, if they had that measure of wealth, then they'd be satisfied in life. I think every one of us know that if our focus is on gaining stuff, guess what? We never have enough stuff, do we? If that's our focus, we'll never be satisfied. And that was the deal not only with the Pharisees, but for all of the rich. They were just grabbing for more and grabbing for more. And that's the focus of what Jesus is speaking here. They never considered eternity very much at all. Their focus was just on the here and now. I want to make a name for myself. I want to make a position for myself. I want, I want to be adored by the masses. I want to gain as much of the worldly goods as I possibly can. And yet Lazarus, on the other hand, he suffered greatly in this world. And he was the one, I believe, that longed for eternity. These two men, I believe, Lazarus is saying, man, I'll be glad when this runs over and I press on into eternity. You gotta look, his daily goals, they consisted of desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell off the rich man's table. The comfort that he received, the dogs would come and, and lick his wounds. Not very high goals not much comfort at all in this life. But you know what? Suddenly things changed. It changed for both of these men. Now both of these men had something very much in common, death. And oh, by the way, that's the same thing that all of us will have in common. Every one of us, unless the Lord comes and pulls us out of here, we're all going to face that time. The word of God declares it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Every one of us will come to that point. We, when we're young of age and we think, man, I'll, I'll never die. There's, there's this, again, absolute ignorance or at least ignoring of our mortality. The older we get, the more we realize our mortality, amen? We see around us the events of life. We just realize what's going on. But for these Pharisees, their focus was right here, right now, for all that they could get. Lazarus, I believe that he was looking, longing for eternity. As these things changed, as death came, as death came, there was a transformation from this temporary life to now an eternal life. And for both men, now it was completely the opposite. Lazarus now experienced the love and the comfort of God as he was carried by the angels to Abram's bosom.
Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith, in the understanding of, of the common, of the normal Jew, there'd be no better comfort that you could imagine than that eternal peace, that comfort of being in Abraham's bosom. And truly, Lazarus now moved from the worst of times to the best of times. And yet the rich man, he dies also. His fate was just the opposite. He was ushered straight to the torments of Arizona. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The torments of Hades. It's going to get hot over the next few days, folks. Be ready. Ushered straight to the torments of Hades. And if suffering the torments of the flames of Hades wasn't enough, he was able to look up and even in his condition see Abraham afar off and Lazarus there comforted in his bosom. Okay, the wretchedness of being in the flames of Hades was enough. But then when he could see the pleasure that was up there and the comfort that was there, I think that just compounded. It must have doubled the torment. He now moved from the best of times, which was that temporary earthly life that he had, to the worst of times. And you know what? That's now for eternity. He considered his situation. He compared it with what was going on with Lazarus, and he cries out to Abraham, uh, have mercy on me. Would you send Lazarus with just a little bit of, uh, dip his finger in the water and come and, and cool my lips? Man, I'm tormented in this flame. You need to understand, again, the significance of all that's going on here. I think it's pretty interesting that he calls Lazarus by name. I wonder if he ever called him by name while he laid at his gate, or did he just completely ignore him? Now, he's not ignoring him now. And he knows his name. He, again, he sees his own need. He sees his situation. Abraham responds to him in verse 25. He says, son, you, you need to remember. In your lifetime, you received the good things, but likewise, Lazarus, the evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. Now, again, be careful to understand what this story, what this parable or story is about. It's not that if you had an easy life here that you're going to end up in hell for all eternity or if you had a rough life here, you're going to end up in heaven. That's not what Jesus is bringing out here. He's bringing out, again, the attitudes of the hearts. It's not a salvation message. It's a message to these that have that mindset of the Pharisees that think that they could play both sides and falsely or on the outside with a facade play the religious side, but reality of their heart is, man, they want everything that the world has to give. He goes on to say, besides all this, between us and you, there's this great gulf fix and so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot and nor can those from there pass to us. Well, I can't imagine someone in the presence of Abraham wanting to pass to the other side, but neither one, you can't cross between the two. It's here that we see some issues actually about heaven and hell that are actually verified in other places of Scripture. Number one, heaven and hell, they're real. It's not just an imaginary, mystical thing. No, they're real. It's a distinct and separate places. The first is a, a place of comfort, but the latter is a place of continual, eternal torment. Those who are in those places for eternity, the other weird thing is they're going to have some kind of a recognition of their situation. It's interesting, those that are in hell are able to recognize and see, again, the compounding of the torment that they're going through. 
But there's also this great divide between the two. There's no going back and forth between the two. You're not going to pray someone out of hell. It, it just doesn't happen. Again, at the end of their days, they stand before God. That's when that judgment takes place. There's no longer any time. There's no longer any chance to say, oh, I, I, I made a mistake in my uh, 50 or 60 years of living. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Can I go on into heaven? No, the, the decisions have been made. The, the line has been drawn. That location, that place is now for all eternity. So once this rich man, oh, by the way, he's no longer a rich man, okay? I'm just using that name as an identification. When he died, all of that stayed, and he left. So all that we grab for in this temporary life, it doesn't go with you. He makes another request to Father Abraham. Verse 27, he says, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you'd send him to my earthly father's house, because I have five brothers, and that he could testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So he desires Abraham to send Lazarus up from the grave and go and be a testimony of the reality of heaven and hell to his brothers, to be a testimony of this final judgment that comes upon men everywhere. And yet, once again, Abraham denies his request. He says, no, they, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, kind of a, a personal thing. I know that there, over the last several years in particular, there's been several instances of people who have died and um, either spent five minutes in heaven or whatever the situation might be, and they come back and they tell the story, or someone dies and they say, man, I saw the very flames of hell, and I, I came back again. And a lot of people pay a lot of creed to those things, and I'm not going to judge either way, whether they're real or true or made up or not. I, that's not the issue. The issue is, it's not the testimony of somebody that went to heaven for five minutes that should move our hearts, nor is it even the testimony of somebody that, that died, man, I, I felt the very flames of hell. Neither should that be the thing that moves our hearts. The thing that ought to move our hearts is the reality and the truth of God's word. The word of God that declares to us that truth. Man's experiences do not prove the word of God. The word of God is that that tests the experiences of man. If we start again setting our doctrine and our understanding on the experiences of man, guess what? We're going to be led astray. We're going to be led to all kinds of weird and strange doctrines. No, stick with the word of God. And that's why Abraham says, you know what? No, we're not going to send anybody from the dead. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God to lean upon, and that is going to reveal to them the plan and the purposes of God. God's word stated what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. The word of God declared what it meant to be surrendered to the will of God. It wasn't just an emotional fear of things. No, but it was the reality and the truth of things that draws men and women and young people to a saving knowledge and a relationship with Almighty God. The rich man and his brothers, they clearly ignored the word of God as Moses declared to the people early on in his writings in Deuteronomy. Moses had written, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways and to love him, 
to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. But you know what? That rich man and his brother said, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to commit to the things of God. I don't need to surrender my life to God. Right now, I'm living right now, here and now, and I'm gonna grab for everything that I can right now. I want the pleasures of this world. I'm not worried about surrendering my life to the things of God. I want what this world has to give to me. And because of that, they missed the plan of God. And this man now is in eternity, and he sees the reality of what he missed. They miss, they ignore the simplicity of the words of the prophets, like the words of Micah, when Micah writes in chapter 6, verse 8, that he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What we see in this rich man's life, there was no mercy. How long had Lazarus sat there, and he's hoping just to get the crumbs off his table. Do you think that that rich man had the opportunity or had the resources to say, hey, you know what? Life is rough for you. Here's a sandwich. You know, here's a bowl of soup. Here's, here's something else. Let me take care of you. Hey, here's a shirt I don't wear anymore, and it's still good. Why don't I clothe you? But there wasn't even the minimal bit of mercy in that man's life. No, he had missed the word of God, the word of Moses, the word of the prophets, totally The simplicity was missed so much by that man that he sought luxury before charity. He sought riches instead of mercy. He sought affluence and pride rather than humility before God and man. He was rich according to the world's standards, beloved, but he was absolutely bankrupt according to God's plan and purpose. Where's your heart today? Are you gaining to be rich according to the world's plan? Are you gaining for comfort according to a a very temporary status that you live in? Or are you truly looking as your heart actually turned to the things of God, to the things of all eternity? God's word is very clear. Rich man said to Abraham, he said, no, Father Abraham, if one just simply goes from the dead, they'll repent. But Abraham said to him, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. It's interesting. Abraham didn't say that Lazarus couldn't come back from the dead. He simply tells the man that to your brothers, it just wouldn't matter. And right here, this is where Jesus hits the crux of the whole matter. Neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. Jesus knew that these Pharisees were so blinded by their greed, by their dark heart, by their selfish pride, that even though he himself was going to rise up from the dead, they were still going to reject the truth of God and salvation. Throughout all of Scripture, the writing of of Moses, the, the writings of the prophets, the flow of poetry within the Word of God at that point in time, all of them pointed to the coming of Messiah, the hope of Israel, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Pharisees considered themselves to be experts of the law and the prophets, and yet they missed the only one that they all pointed to, the promised one of Israel. Jesus was totally different from what they anticipated. 
Their heart was so set on receiving a Messiah of power and authority, one that would come and remove them from Roman oppression, take care of all of their temporary issues. And beloved, even today, people are saying, man, I want a God who takes care of my temporary issues. And if God can't take care of my temporary issues, then I don't want to really follow him. You see, that's not a full commitment of a heart. That's not a surrender to the God of all the universe. You're desiring a temporary vending machine God that takes care of every one of your little needs and cares and concerns rather than saying, you know what? I am surrendered wholly and completely to him. Too many times people say, oh, God, I'll follow you if you will do this. And then you just fill in the blanks. If you'll heal my marriage, if you'll take care of my finances, if you'll change the doctor's report, if you'll bring my son back to me, whatever it might be, Lord, I'll follow you if you meet my requirements, rather than saying and looking at the word of God and says, this is the requirements of God. This is what I've got to surrender to. This is what I've got to be obedient to. This is where my heart needs to be. Not what God can do for me, but again, the surrender. Oh, God has done so much for us. I don't want to lessen that. Man, he loved us so much. He sent Christ to die for us. He continually intervenes on our behalf. And yes, he does bring healing. He does bring restoration. He does bring reconciliation. He does do all of those things. But beloved, don't let that be the purpose that you follow after God because there will be times in life that that prayer of yours isn't answered in the way that you want it to be answered. Does that suddenly back you away from commitment to him? Does that suddenly back you away from the understanding of his greatness? Or in the midst of those things where his answer is different than the desired answer that you have, are you willing to say, Lord, I'm still yours. I'm still yours, and I follow you, and I surrender to your greatness. No matter how many mighty deeds No matter how many workings of miracles Jesus did, no matter how powerful his teaching of the truth was, Jesus continually presented to them these things, and yet these Pharisees, their hearts were set on something different. They declared to know the truth, but they believed a lie, and they rejected the one who is the truth. Beloved, even now, God displays himself over and over again to the world around us. He displays himself through his word. He displays himself through all of his creation. He displays himself through the powerful working in people's lives, and yet people still reject him. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, he says, Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became fruitful in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Man still rejects God. Man still looks for something other than the reality and the truth of who Almighty God is. Two hearts we see today. One set with pride and self-indulgence. The other one is formed in humility and surrender. Two souls, one eternally placed in torment, eternally lost. The other experiencing comfort and peace for all eternity. So let me ask you, where's your heart this morning? Where is your focus this morning? 
Do you live in a season of light, looking for the things of God throughout this world that's created in the midst of all the, the battles and all the darkness that's here? Are you looking for the light and the hope and the truth of God in the midst of these things? Or are you looking for the pleasures of this world to make your life more comfortable, to make your life more at ease? Or are you fully surrendered to Lord? All to Thee I surrender. All to Thee I freely give. I'll ever love and trust Thee in order that in thy presence I might daily live. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.